Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption in logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com insights. Welcome to Lockbox, a podcast providing real estate professionals with action items for success. My name is Jeffrey Broger, and I'm going to be your host. I'm the founder of two real estate marketing and tech companies, Steezy.Digital and RealNurture.io. In this podcast, you'll learn from top 1% real estate and mortgage brokers the exact secrets to their success. Welcome to Lockbox. Welcome to Lockbox. My name is Jeffrey Broger, and I'm here today with Frank Leo. Frank, thanks for being with us. Thank you, Jeffrey. Pleasure. Absolutely. Why don't you kick it off, tell our listeners who you are and where you're from. Well, I'm a broker at uh, Remax in Toronto, Canada. So a little bit uh, further north than you are, but uh, we have a, a big market. Uh, I think we're the fourth largest city in North America with uh, about 65 to 70,000 realtors. So there's no shortage of uh, people wanting to get into this business in our area. Absolutely. No, that's impressive. I have been to Toronto. I did not know it was the fourth largest city in the Northern American hemisphere. So that's amazing. I mean, 65,000 agents is a ton and yeah. you've definitely set yourself apart. I mean, on your website, number one Remax in this city, this city, this city. I mean, you guys are crushing it out there. So I'm very interested to dive into what you're doing today, but to kick things off and give our listeners some perspective from where you came from, you know, what got you into the real estate industry? Well, I mean, real estate has uh, been a very important tool in people's uh, financial health. And so um, I knew that I could uh, help people with this very large decision in their lives, which is probably done two, three times in a lifetime. So that's uh, something that I want to do. Also, um, when I started in this business, it was uh, probably before your time, uh, it was a different world. And, um, you know, you, you were thought of a, a good plan to start your career would be to start in the mailroom of a big company. IBM, for example, was a big company at the time. And mm. you, know, you would work your way up. I felt that that was limiting. I said, you know, real estate gives you the opportunity to succeed or fail on your own, you know, merits. So I said, if I'm going to make it in this world, I want it to be, you know, based on me or if I fail, it's based on me. So uh, that independence was, was something that uh, was very uh, tempting at the time. So I jumped in with both feet. Well, I would say that you were ahead of your time because it's very common with uh, Generation X, which you'd be a part of Generation X, right? I'm not uh, dating you there. That'd be uh, accurate. I'm at the cusp of the baby boomer. So, I mean, I'm okay. there, right? So, <laughs> even more so to support the point, you know, I feel like that generation, you get a job, 
you retire and you have a pension with that company. You worked at one company for 40 years. And that was the mentality. And that was kind of passed down to my generation, the millennials. And millennials now have certainly broken that mold. Many millennials switch jobs every three years and it's very common. And, you know, many of them are in entrepreneurial ventures early in life. But it seems like you broke that mold. So, you know, that's awesome that you saw real estate for the opportunity that it was and was able to make that decision. So now let's dive into it. You know, what was the transaction volume of the number one Remax team in, in the Toronto area last year? Oh, last year. Oh, wow. Or you well, could do year to date this year, you know, whatever is kind of fresh on your mind. We're crushing this year. So we, 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 you know, last year we had a record year, even though we had a little bit of a pandemic going on. And this year we're way above last year. So we're doing over 500 million in, 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 in dollar volume. And I don't know how many transactions that is, but, you know, uh, our price point is in the uh, 1 million range for an average detached home. So it's a little awesome. bit higher price than some of the other areas out there. But I mean, we, we love the fact that we're able to help people with this huge investment that a lot of people are using it, you know, as a retirement nest egg, right? So that's what we take pleasure in for sure. Absolutely. And with that being said, you know, what advice would you give to a real estate broker who might be doing 300 transactions a year? Because it seems like you're doing about 500 sides at around a million price point. Would that be fair to say? A little bit more than that, but yeah, around there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so if someone's doing 300 transactions in any, in any market, they might have a $400,000 average price point, but they're still doing 300 transactions. You know, what advice would you give that broker, that team leader to help level them up to 400, 500? Cause everyone's always looking for growth, right? You know, it's actually uh, the opposite of what most people think. I mean, you think you need more opportunities or more people. Uh, I mean, what you need to do is really take care of everybody that you have in your pipeline. Um, mm. Make sure that, you know, anyone that you're dealing with, you're going to take an interest in them to the point that it would be like your own home. And so you're helping them buy and sell and you're getting referrals. So, you know, you grow, you grow from the bottom up and not from the top down. So that's how you grow by not losing clients, but continually growing your base. And that's the, the best advice I can give. It's a people business. The more people you help, you never have to worry about yourself. Wow. That is such great advice. And it is different from a lot of the answers that I hear. Doubling down on your database. I mean, put it simply, that's that's what you're saying there. And it's so important. It's a lot easier to keep the people you have than to continuously add new, new, new. And, and you know, the transactions you aren't turning one transaction into five from the referrals and the repeat business. If you always have to go chase, you're always chasing. So that's great advice. It's a people business, you know, and you and if you ever forget that, then you're out of business. It's all mm -hmm. about people. It's all about families. It's about help, helping them in this really, you know, huge, huge decision financially in their lives. That probably is the most expensive one. Absolutely. And I watched the video on your website, very listing focused. All the top brokers I know are listing focused and you spoke really emotionally and clearly to the goals of the home seller. And, you know, I thought it was very well-crafted in the way that you put together your offer in that video. And I'm just curious, you know, at the stage that you're at now, are you investing in video? Are you investing in, you know, getting that story out there with advertising? Um, or is it at a point where you're really just doubling down on the database and just focusing on warm business? Like what's your percentage of, you know, cold business to uh, warm business today? Well, it's all warm, but True. 
it's not it's not all of that the your your database or your people that you know we're we're investing in video we're investing in all the latest uh, you know internet uh we do print we do tv we do radio advertising we do uh billboards so we want to get out there you want to be top of mind in any industry you have to be there so people um are able to know that you're in the business our philosophy is to have uh bees approach so bees come to you bees honey approach suppose you chasing you know business uh if we want people to know that if they need help in buying or selling that they can rely on us and so top of mind is what we focus on and we invest a lot in marketing but ultimately because in our business we are a marketing firm i mean essentially we that's what we do and if we're not marketing we're not doing our job yeah absolutely and many books point to that many real estate books they say i mean at the end of the day really you're a lead generator <laughs> like that's what you're doing constantly is generating leads in every aspect of your life and then helping those leads with their major financial decisions that they have faced to them by you know showing the market data showing them facts helping them make an informed decision so on your entrepreneurial journey as a real estate professional going from you know i would imagine single agent to then going and branching out on your own and starting your team and then growing that team what has been the single most important action that you've taken on a daily basis that has attributed most to your success having an open mind curiosity and uh willingness to change there is one constant in this world it's change and so um i hate to 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 shock you here but when i started in this business it was pre computers right we used to use a chisel and hammer essentially to do our contracts so i'm exaggerating a little bit but you know i mean fax machines weren't invented yet they were invented and they became obsolete during my term in this business so we have changed with the times to be where we are today and we've adopted all the changes and embraced them as opposed to push them back and so a lot of the my colleagues at the time that were in the business when i started are no longer here because the change has been too much for them I think that change is good and you just have to realize that it's part of our industry and if you embrace it and use it to help your clients it's fantastic. Makes sense and I can agree with that. I mean the only constant is change. That was like the title of a book in my business course in college. It's like <laughs> the only constant in business is change. <laughs> and it really is true. I mean, it's so rapidly evolving and technology being introduced to the space, you know, expedited by the pandemic as you mentioned that pandemic last year. All of a sudden everyone's on Zoom, everyone's cool with it, you know, out of state buyers are doing 3D walkthroughs and tours like no problem, you know, totally cool with it now. All of a sudden there was this quantum leap in adoption to technology. So, yes, there's definitely a change happening every single day and it's good to have that curious open mind like you mentioned. Absolutely. So, love that. Well, speaking of change, where do you think the industry is heading? I mean, there's a lot of tech companies entering the space, trying to replace brokers. There's a lot of tools available now. Like, how do you see the industry evolving in the next 5-10 years? I think that it it can't be um uh, as simple as uh, just ordering online. you know your home only because you know typically we're in the resale market there are some new properties of course but every home is different um and the condition it's in is different and so what we do is is personalize the experience for the buyers to find the best home for them in terms of decor layout you know size that they enjoy 
But our job is to make sure that they buy in the right location, the right type of property, the right features. And that's from an investor perspective because they both go hand in hand. You see, when you make money in real estate, not when you sell it, when you buy it. So if you buy poorly, you're going to have a hard time making it up. But if you make a good purchase, you're going to look like a superstar when it comes to selling. Absolutely. I recently heard that. And it was for the first time that I had heard it, but it rang so true. And then now you just said it a second time, just in a couple of weeks. Oh, make wow. money in real estate on the purchase. Makes total sense. <laughs> Makes total sense. And I mean, you cash out when you sell. And that's why people think, oh, I sold at such a high price. And there's definitely some emotion and memory tied to that time. Like, oh, I made this much on this property. But really, it, that money was made way before when you made that. If you buy the purchase. wrong home, sorry, uh, if you buy the wrong home and you need to, you know, spend money, 50, 100,000, 200,000 in that home to get it up to what the level of uh, comfort or, you know, feasibility, then that money is gone. I mean, if you buy a home that doesn't need that, you just, you're up another hundred or $200,000 in our market. Anyway, it's a lot of money that we're talking about. So. You can't just push a button and, and, and see that superficially, even on a video. You have to know what to look for, where to look for it. And so we are, you know, a very important part of that information for our buyers. And if they make a mistake, it's not one that you walk away from because typical home purchase is a 25-year amortization period. So it'll be a long time before you're you're off the hook, so to speak. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I have heard that time heals all wounds in real estate, but you got to wait a long time. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious about lead generation. I own a lead generation, a digital marketing agency, and I'm always curious what out there is working great for other top brokers that probably have some similar systems in place. So, you know, what's been your number one most profitable lead generation source other than referrals, of course? Well, we do, you know, I can honestly tell you, I know that only 50% of what I do works. I just wish I knew which 50%. Right? So, <laughs> I don't know if you've heard that before. It's a true thing. Yeah. So we, we do a lot of different things. The, the whole idea behind marketing is to be omnipresent everywhere. And so, of course, you want to hit the, the digital marketing space because that's important. A lot of people are online, but you want to hit the traditional space. So we use print as well. What people, some people don't want print or they think it's outdated. Well, you know what? For a certain group of homeowners, you know, people with money who are older, they like print. So we're going to hit those yeah. as well. Right? Uh, we, we use, uh, you know, television advertising, we use radio, we use billboards. So when you put them all together, what you're doing is you're hitting everyone. So our, our goal is to have everyone know that we're out there and that we can help them. Top of mind is the key to any brand. Now, once you have that, it's just a matter of them, you know, inviting you to help them when they need you. So they contact you. And so that's very important to us. And we're able to address their concerns and really care about their needs and able to help them because our marketing is so extensive. As I mentioned to you before, marketing is very important. So when we're selling a property, our goal is to find the ideal buyer for that home. The most, I won't say affluent, the one that has the most money to, to pay for that home, but also that will like it. So most money, so if we can reach more buyers and we typically reach in excess of 8 million potential buyers weekly, we're going to get higher prices for our sellers. And that's what it's about. It's having a system out there that's going to be able to help our clients to the maximum. Absolutely. Yeah. And it seems like you have a lot of systems in place at this point that help to promote those listings, syndicate them 
leverage some digital marketing to help get them out there on social media and, you know, websites and things like that. So that way you can then go present that to your sellers, right? And say, look at our marketing package, second to none. I mean, at the end of the day, like what does the seller want in the simplest terms? They want to get the most money possible in the quickest time possible, as easily as possible. <laughs> exactly. Well, in our market, and, and I'm sure many markets across North America, we've had uh, situations where we had a shortage of inventory. Absolutely. Um, and there's been something, you know, multiple offers on a property or potentially that's the case. And we've had situations where you hear someone sold their property, you know, in the first six hours to the first person that came there and they got a great price for their home, right? When they tell me this, you know what I tell them? I'm so sorry. You see, if you sold it to the first person that saw your home and they're the only person that's seen your home, then ask yourself how many more people are out there looking that never saw your home, that never got a chance to get in it. And how much money did you end up losing? Yes. And when you didn't have someone else to have them bid against, how much more money were they willing to spend for that house? Exactly. Exactly. You have to know your market. You have to have the pulse. I'm not saying there's not an exception to the rule, but for the most part, if you're not reaching the most amount of buyers and the right buyers, you're losing money in this market. Absolutely. Absolutely. Those words ring true. So when it comes to taking care of your clients, doubling down your database, what do you do for your clients that nobody else does in the industry that you know of? You know what? I have no time to focus on what nobody else does. I don't know what everybody else does. I just know that um, I know how I want to be treated, and that's the way I treat my clients. You know, I'm, I'm always there for them when they need me. If you ever have any questions, we reach out to them on a regular basis and make sure that, you know, they know that they have a resource, not when they're just buying or selling, whenever they have a question, whenever they have a concern, they want to have a conversation, they just reach out to us and we're there for them. And that's what I want them to know. It's not just about a buying and selling situation. It's we're there for anything that they need. Sometimes they ask, you know, I need to do, do this kind of work on my home. Can you recommend someone? And we absolutely have that list of qualified people that we can trust to recommend to them. Yep, absolutely. Being just a valuable phone number to call for them, right? Adding value to them. That's awesome. So what are one to three books that have greatly influenced your life or career? A lot of books, I'm reading all the time. So it depends on when you talk to me. I love Never Split the Difference. Um, I just finished that. It's great. That's yeah, a great book. Great. So if you want to negotiate, that's great. That's interesting. You love negotiating. I mean, obviously the traditional ones, you know, Think and Grow Rich and, you know, the seven habits of, of people, people. You know, there was a 12 week year. I forgot what the title was. I, I was reading that about four books ago. That was fantastic. Um, so there's, there's so many, you know what it is. It's about optimizing your uh, awareness of what's around you, caring for the people that are around you. And that, that applies to your family, to your, to your, to your clients, to your employees, to, to everyone, you know, being a good person, being aware of other people's feelings and, and, and making sure that you're addressing them. I think listening is, is, is what I'm learning more and more often. And you learn, that the more you, you listen, the less you have to speak and the more you're helping people. The more you listen, the less you have to speak and the more you're helping people. Powerful. And if you just listen and mirror people, you'll be doing one of the biggest principles that'll never split the difference. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Seeing your success today, it's easy to kind of be blinded and think that, oh man, Frank was just, you know, handed this life on a silver platter, like wish I could be Frank. But is there like a failure that you point back to that really was a huge turning point or a learning lesson that set you up for later success? Do you have like a favorite failure of yours? Well, you know, I have a lot of them. And, and to get where, you know, where you, you have to be willing to take some risks and make some some decisions uh, over time and they don't always work out, but you always either win or you learn. And so a favorite one, you know, I don't, I don't really look at it that way. I mean, I've done some sure. things that are not traditional. I'll give you one that, you know, when I started in this business, again, this is a long time ago, the, the market crashed in 89. So uh, the market, when I started in this business, was going down every day. Unlike today, it's going up. Every day it was going lower and lower and lower. And I remember I had a family contact me and they said, I need to sell my home. I can't afford to keep it. I lost my job. And at the time I had just started and I hadn't really, you know, I needed money to, to survive. But I, you know, they said to me, you know, I got four kids and I can't keep the home up. I need to sell. And I looked at the situation. I said, no, you know what? You're not selling this home. You're going to, you know, close this door, have this, you know, rent out your basement, keep the property. Because if you sell right now, you won't be able to get back into the market. And so at that time over there, you know, it would have been very important for me to make a sale. And I decided that, you know, of course, this family needs my help. I think it was eight or 10 years later, they contacted me and they said, you know what, now we're going to move. But they were happy. They made money. They could make a move. Everything was good. And he said, look, I, I, I know 10 other realtors. I know people in my family. I'm coming to you because you were the only one at the time that helped me keep my home. And so that is what real estate is all about is giving the proper advice the good advice to help people and you know what is it a mistake no it's not a mistake that's what you have to do the mistake is to do bad business to make a deal even though you you wouldn't recommend it and so um i have made those mistakes i've done a lot of marketing mistakes where i tried something that didn't work and, and you being in a digital marketing business you know how that works uh you have to keep going and so um, everything that I've done, um, I don't regret because like I said, I've learned something from it. Wow. What was that like for you 10 years later to have that, that I sound like it was the husband or, or the, the, the male figure. He called you up and say that. Well, you know, it makes you feel good. I mean, you know, you, you're doing the right thing. My dad always told me do good and forget about it do bad and remember it. So, I mean, I know that good news spreads a lot slower than bad news. I just uh, have confidence that I'll be around long enough to hear some good news in the future. Wow. I love that quote, by the way. That's awesome. awesome quote. What is one of the best or most worthwhile investments you've ever made? A lot of times it's non-financial, by the way, but um, just curious about that. Oh, well, that's called the wife. You know, you know, you, you find the right partner, then you're good. You know, if you don't have good the right answer. partner, you're good. <laughs> good answer. So, when it comes to all of the training and all of the hot air that's out there today, going around between real estate professionals, are there any bad recommendations that you hear? Well, I think that uh, it's a tough business. People don't realize it outside the industry. I think the focus is always on generating leads or opportunities. And so, although that is very important, what I find is that most agents, because they're so immersed in that lead gen part of the business, they're not focusing enough on the remaining 20%. If that's 80% of the business, 
is on what you do when you get the business, right? So what we focus on our training is the 20% is that when you meet the person, how do you make sure that you are prepared to help them with their largest investment? What do you say? What do you show them? How do you prepare them? How do you guide them? What do you, what do you recommend? All those things that uh, are key, but obviously you're not there enough because you're always lead genning. Mm. Such a good point. Really focusing on the 20% that matters and, and drives the transactions, which is knowing your market, presenting those facts to your potential seller, and really just letting them know, hey, here's what's happening. If you want to sell at the price that you want it for, just know that we're going out above market, right? And, and just being more of an informative sounding board rather than saying, oh, no, we should drop the price, da, 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 this and that. It's like, well, they want to sell it for that much. And maybe they know something that you don't. I was just on a training, which this is so fresh in my mind. And the broker said, you know, I had three reputable brokers. He's on the commercial side. So we had three reputable residential guys come out and value his property based on comps. They all pulled comps. They all looked the same, you know, comparables. And they valued his property 150000 less than he thought being a 25-year commercial broker. And he said, you know, maybe I'm wrong, right? I'm not on the residential side. And so he did something that none of them did. He went and walked the comps because he's old school. He used to have index cards and, right. and film photos that he, <laughs> he carded in to his listings to show his market data, right? So he just took a day or two and drove around and he said, I like my house better than all of those houses. And I know that a buyer is going to as well. And guess what? He got 150K more than any of the other brokers said his house was worth. So really having that down, that's the 20% that matters. It really is. Having the knowledge to do you know, the things that make that difference. And, and that's, that's huge. We've gone to situations that I mentioned to you before where people have sold very quickly. We go in, similar home, three doors down, $200,000 a week later, more money. Right? Why? Because we found the right people. I'll tell you a story that I, I tell a lot of people, and I think it really resonates to to give you a good perspective. We've all heard of people going through a, to a garage sale, and they go to a garage sale and they pick up a painting for ten, twenty dollars, right? And it's wonderful. Then they get that painting, they get it uh, appraised at an art dealer, and that art dealer subsequently finds that painting to be a valuable one, and they put it at auction to their you know, collectors, and they get $150,000, $200,000 for that painting, right? The question I have for you and, and the seller of that painting at the garage sale, is that painting any different from the garage sale to the, it's the same painting. The difference is the awareness of value that the broker may have had and the ability to reach the ideal audience to get them the most money. So this is, a, you know, something that's happened time and time again in the, you know, art world and the jewelry world, but it's happening in real estate every day. It just, people don't find out until it's too late. They say, my neighbor sold for so much more money and I feel bad. Makes total sense. And that is a great analogy. I'll make sure to quote you when I, when I say that, because that's a good one. <laughs> what is your process for evaluating what to say no to? We do something very, very uh, important when we have a property for sale because we invest thousands upon thousands of dollars in marketing. So it's not 
something that we take lightly. We will go in there and we'll work and we'll invest our dollars there. If we cannot sell it, we don't want it. If the person is not going to be reasonable and we know, you know, that the market won't bear what their price is, we will say, listen, you know, you do what you got to do, try it out. If it doesn't work out, let us know. We'll walk away from it. And we have to because, um, you know, you can't afford to lose that kind of time, money and energy and your reputation on somebody that's not going to listen to your knowledge. Mm. So that's a situation where seller has rose colored glasses, wants way more than it's worth. And after demonstrating the facts of here's what the market would bear and here's what is going for over asking and you're even above that, that's a situation where you're like, hey, best of luck and call us, you know, if, if it doesn't work out. I hope you I hope you get that. But, you know, we're not comfortable representing you in that listing at that price. Absolutely. You know, we're, we're you know, if someone's not going to take our advice, where are you headed? You're, you know, you, you're, you're not going to be able to help someone who doesn't want help. Man, 100%. When you feel overwhelmed or unfocused, what is your process or do you have some questions that you ask yourself to get back on track? Well, you know, hopefully that doesn't happen too often, but I mean, you know, you, you want to, you know, step away, you know, rest, meditate a little bit and come back with a fresh perspective. You don't want to be overwhelmed. You can't think when you're in that situation. So, uh, you know, I have a coach that I, that I, um, you know, bounce off my ideas and my, you know, issues. If I have any concerns, uh, maybe I'll get a fresh perspective. So I, I, I've recently done that and I think it's been very beneficial for me. Absolutely. Having a coach is so critical. I mean, the accountability alone is what makes it worth it for me. But I mean, think about the top athletes in the world, Tiger Woods, whatever, you know, symbol that is for you. They all have coaches. <laughs> Right, it, they help you get to that next level when you have kind of maxed out your own potential by yourself, and then you can get a fresh perspective. And you also mentioned meditation and being able to just take a breath, take a step away. I think that's so key, and it's really hard to do when you're tangled up in it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of agents they get into real estate because they imagine easy money, time freedom like all these things that are loose, they're very attractive from the outside in. And then you, you get into the industry and you realize now I set my own hours. So now I work all the time. <laughs> and then a couple of years in, you're burnt out and you're wondering what you did. Take time off, right? Take time off, clear your head, take vacations. Like Darren Hardy talks about the way to increase productivity. Go take a vacation. <laughs> Well, that's true. So you think you find a vacation, you get extra busy. But one of the things I think you hit it on the nose, and I gotta and I gotta give you kudos for that. Uh, uh, you know, people think that they have more time, and you know, they work less, and and, and that you know they're their own boss. And I'm gonna refute that ideology or that thought because when you go to a normal job, you have one boss. If you're successful in real estate, you can have five, six, seven, ten. 20 bosses at the same time telling you what they want done and how they want. So in actual fact, it's a lot more and not less than, than the average person. If you want to be successful, of course. Right. Yeah. It makes sense. And that's those bosses are in the forms of those listing agreements and those demanding right. and anxious that's sellers. Right. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, they want, they want, uh, you know, action, they want action now and results and, and we're here to deliver for sure. Absolutely. Well, in the last five years, 
What new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your life? You know, five years, we can go back in the last two years that we had a tremendous change. Technology has changed. Everything has changed. You've had to be more uh, disciplined because of COVID. We were locked up a little while across North America. So, you know, taking care of yourself, I think is paramount. So the first thing you do is make sure you, you know, watch what you eat, you, you, you exercise. And that's been a big part of moving forward uh, a better you. Cause then if you're in good shape, you know, like when you're in an airplane and the masks come down, you give, you're supposed to put your mask on before you put on your child to, so if you can't help yourself, you can't help your child. So that's the first thing. On top of that, the technology, I mean, look at video conference calls. I mean, we're, you know, this is incredible where we're able to have this tremendous vehicle where we can share our ideas without traveling. And so this allows more people to unite and talk and discuss and share and enhance their lives. Uh, and, and all these things have come together in a very short time. But you know what? I can't imagine going back to pre, you know, two years ago and things going so slowly. We'd go to, you know, hop on a plane and go to a mastermind, spend, uh, you know, four days there and then come back. Well, you can do that every day if you want. So um, the speed of learning is is heightened. And I think, you know, what, what people have to be careful about, I'm going to say this, is over information overload, where they have so much great ideas that they end up doing nothing. Less sometimes is more. But you have to act on it. Analysis paralysis. Yeah. Yeah, you can save time and execution with effective planning, but you got to execute. Right? You got to go pull that trigger. You got to make that phone call. You got to knock that door. Whatever your strategy is that you're trying to learn, there's immediate and massive action right after you learn it that's required for that to, number one, work, and for it, number two, to sink in and actually make sense to you. So... I'm a big fan of that, and I appreciate you bringing that up. Well, it's it's, it's something. Well, I've learned that you 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 keep working on something until you get it going and you make it work 100. You know, you got that that plate spinning, and you get another one, and you work on that. So you you know focus on making everything work before you jump onto the next one. I mean, you know, dabble, but you have to really take action and really don't give up on things because a lot of the things that we do, and you know, Jeffrey, you you've been doing it. It doesn't happen. If somebody tries your service, you know, for a week, it's not going to happen. You know, you have to be there a little bit of time to get the traction required to see the results. Absolutely. No, very true. Very true. And, you know, my best clients understand that. They don't start anything unless they're going to do it for a year. And I don't, I don't lock them into terms. I, I say, hey, it's month to month. But, you know, this thing takes time. And they understand that. And then now they're here with me four years, right? Because they were able to stick that out. So you nailed it on that. I have one last question I'd like to ask you. So I have a broker friend who I respect a lot. He's been in the industry 20, 25 years as well. And he said, how many real estate agent retirement parties have you been to? And that just stuck with me. Like ever since he said that, I was like, oh man, so true. You get into it because there's unlimited earning potential and there's all this upside, but then a lot of times you realize almost too late that like, oh gosh, I didn't have an end game in mind. So, you know, a principle that I learned was like, don't get into business until you know what your exit strategy is. And gosh, I had businesses started and failed that took a ton of time and energy because I didn't have an exit strategy. So now when I get into something, I do. So my, my 
question is, what's the end game for the Leo team? Well, you know, what are you, what are you building towards? Okay. Well, you know, I, I told my, my, my wife that I would retire um, after um, there was a, there was a um, program out there. It, it was called Freedom 55. I don't know if you're aware of it. There was a investment type of plan where you at 55 could retire. So when I started in this business, I told my wife that that's the plan is to retire at 55. But over the years, of course, obviously things happen. So at 55, I announced my retirement and that I was going to pursue my passion, which happened to be real estate. So nothing really changed. Right. So, <laughs> so that, that is actually the answer to your question. Right. You see, I talked to, to, to people and, you know, if you love what you're doing, then what else would you do? I mean, if you spend your life doing this and talking to people, it's not about stopping it because it, we mean. A lot of people, when they retire, they don't have anything to go to. They're watching TV, they're golfing or whatever it is. If that's what you love doing, hey, all the power to you. But, you know, you can still go on your holidays. You can still enjoy the family. You can do the things you want to do. But when you get back after your holiday, I'm not going to be sitting on the couch. I'm going back to the office and I'm going to enjoy what I love doing, helping people. So the answer to your question, if you find what you love doing, you never have to retire. Great answer. Great answer. I mean, you hear the horror stories of, you know, a broker having a heart attack on a Friday night in his office alone, but then you also are on this side of it with massive success, enjoying what you're doing, loving it and thinking, why would I retire and sit around and do nothing? I would still like do my own personal real estate deals and look at investment and like, like, <laughs> yeah. You have to, you know, if you're, you know, the thing is, if you're doing something you really hate for so long that you have to run away from, oh, that's a lot of years that you're going to be in, in, you know, suffering. And, you know, thankfully that that hasn't happened, uh, you know, for me. And and I'm hoping to share the love of the business for, with, with my team and they can also, you know, love helping people and have a great life and great business life that you never have to retire from because you just love it so much. Yep. Absolutely. No, it makes sense. And I appreciate you imparting that wisdom on my listeners as well. So is there a question that I should have asked you or anything that you'd like to elaborate on from earlier? You know, I don't know what else you want. I mean, there's a lot of things. Everyone wants to know about the business. I believe very simply uh, that you have to love what you do, of course, but in our business, if you want to succeed, it's it's really, really simple, but it's not easy. And that is put yourself in the shoes of your client, whoever that may be, if they're buyers or sellers. And you know what? Do for them what you would have wanted done for you if you were in their shoes. Going back to if they're buying their first home, you have to feel and remember those emotions, the fear, the uncertainty. And if you have to be able to help them hold their hands all the way through that journey. And if you can do that time and time again and put yourself in each individual person's spot, then you're doing a great service because you're, you're taking them through that journey, which can be very stressful, making it smooth, giving them great advice, and they'll, they'll be forever grateful. And that's why my business has grown. You know, when I started, there were no teams. It was just me. And I never planned on having a team. What happened was I just did what I do. Then I got busy and I got too busy. I couldn't handle it. So I had to get some help. And then because I had more time, I got even busier and had to get more help. 
And then I got even busier and I got more, and now I need more help. So I still need more help. It's wonderful. It's a great problem to have. Absolutely. No, it is a great problem to have. And it seems like that busyness or that level of inbound interest to doing real estate with you as their broker has come from you having their best interests in mind, you keeping those emotions at top of your mind during the transaction, because through the law of familiarity, when we do something hundreds of times, it just becomes second nature and we become kind of aloof to it. It's natural. The things yes. that, that we think are just so boring and mundane are fascinating to someone who is outside of that industry, even just one degree. So remembering that is so important. And you've mentioned it multiple times throughout this podcast, which I appreciate. Biggest transaction someone will ever make. Probably only do it two or three times in their life, right? Emotions run high, whether it's first time home buyer or the baby boomer selling their home that they want to make sure to maximize because they put so much into, right? I mean, really, I appreciate your emotional quotient, right? Your EQ, your ability to like not only look at someone, it seems like, and be able to read the situation, but just to go into it knowing that like people are emotional beings. And so you got to look at that aspect of a transaction and hey, never split the difference talks all about that. So, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, p pick up that book if you're, if you're listening. It's a great one. So, Frank, how can listeners contact you if they're interested in maybe a referral or joining the team? Well, I mean, my website is uh, getleo.com and you're welcome to go in there and you can send us an email if you have any questions. We're happy to, to answer them as well. Um, you know, uh, I just hope that the, anyone getting into the business loves people, loves to help people. And, and if you do, you're going to have a very happy career. And that's, I, I think, the message in this, in this you know, in, interview, if you want to call it that, that, you know, you can ha be successful, happy and help people. And so that's the uh, mm -hmm. goal, I think. Man, I love that. And you just, you do exude happiness. I mean, you, it's clear that this is what you love to do. So I really appreciate you taking some time, you know, recording this and letting us then share it with the world because there's a lot of value in this recording. So Frank Leo, everyone, top team in the Toronto area. And if you have any interest in referring business, joining his team, learning more, you know, visit his site. I'll link to that below. Thank you so much, Frank. Thanks, Jeffrey. You have a wonderful day. You too. Thank you for listening. If you want to accomplish your real estate goals, then I highly suggest downloading my free ultimate real estate goal setting framework. The link is in the description of the show and it will help you break down your annual income goal into the amount of phone calls, appointments, or open houses you need in order to achieve that goal. Thank you so much and we'll see you next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.